This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Monday afternoon, July the 5th, 2021. Travis Ryer alongside... Outstanding beat reporter for us, Charlie Potter. Of course, Charlie, a longtime, longtime member of the Alabama Beat. And we just are coming off the holiday weekend. I know for a lot of folks, it's actually a day off on this Monday. Good for you if you find yourself in that situation. No time off for Charlie Potter and the rest of us, though, at BamaOnline.com between recruiting updates on Sunday, Antonio Kite. The uh, composite four-star athlete from Anniston High School committing to the Crimson Tide over the weekend. And then some things being finalized here in the last little bit with Jaden Shackelford anticipated to be entering the transfer portal, the junior guard for the Alabama men's basketball team. That was apparently uh, finalized on Monday. Charlie, of course, chasing that for us at BamaOnline.com. So, Charlie, I guess between all of that, I don't know if you had much time for hamburgers, hot dogs, apple pie, Major League Baseball, maybe even some fireworks. You've been busy, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always think about it outside of, like, Christmas and Thanksgiving, like, just holidays. It doesn't it doesn't really matter because news will break. And, um, and for Hank, I know especially you think about Fourth of July, that's kind of a – the thing coaches like to do now is tease some some fireworks and not the the normal kind you'd see on Fourth of July. But I was able to you know get out of town on Saturday. Um, that seemed more more apt because uh, there's just more going on. More things are open. I went to hang out with some friends in Helena, and uh, it's funny because you know you have the the traditional things that you eat on Fourth of July, and, and Helena has like a like a downtown kind of little festival. They have a bunch of vendors i was told there were going to be a bunch of food trucks and things like that and you know, they have a brewery and they were going to have a fireworks show but they only had one food truck and the line was like I'm trying to get on space mountain at disney world so um, <laughs> you didn't have a fast pass for the food truck Charlie? i did I mean, that, those okay. aren't there any, those don't exist right now because of the, <laughs> the pandemic so we did uh you know we had an american state but we went to to waffle house after a few beers so that's always fun but uh, no it was it was a pretty tame um fourth of july weekend you know saw some fireworks in helena you know we heard the fireworks all over tuscaloosa but i'm assuming you did some some good grilling this weekend oh yes yes i did some uh you know traditional stuff over the weekend did some did some steaks did some smoked chicken wings yesterday for a cookout for a get-together that included some boston butt some ribs. Yeah, we were all American on the grill, man, over the weekend. No doubt about that. So it was a good weekend. What was the latest you heard a firework go off last night? Do you recall that? 
Well, <laughs> I always laugh because um, the, the people that were shooting them off close to my house, I could see through my front door, like the, the glass at the top. I could see it um, you know, going off in the sky. But they were shooting off the same fireworks when it was still light outside. I was like, save it for later. <laughs> if, like, I don't want it to be super late. Um, you know, We have a couple cats, and one of them is really skittish of thunder and things like that. But um, you know, I get it. It's Fourth of July. People are going to do it. And I think it was – it might have been well after midnight. It wasn't quite, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning, but from the time the sun was still up until then, it was it was pretty consistent. Yeah, I think it was a little after midnight that I heard the last pop, pop, pop. And that was about it. But I'm like you, it was people weren't waiting for sundown. You know, no. It was seven <laughs> o'clock, even in the afternoon, they were starting to go. And so uh, pretty consistent pyrotechnics. On July the 4th, um, it is the first time we've gotten together, uh, well, on this podcast anyway, in the month of July, and you know what that means, Charlie. SEC Media Days, just a few weeks away, and with all this name, image, and likeness stuff over the last week, I was thinking about it, and this is going to be the NIL SEC Media Days, it feels like. Maybe something, there's always, with the news cycle, moving the rate that it does these days, there's always the potential for something else or some other things to sort of supersede that. But as it sits right now, is this just going to be the name, image, and likeness media days when everybody gets together in Hoover? Hopefully everybody gets together. I think so. Yeah, I think it's going to be the, the hot topic. And I'm sure you know Nick Saban and the I think they're going to bring two players per school. I don't know that for sure, but I, I think I have a good idea of the, the Alabama players that are going. I'm sure they're just going to be – that's going to be maybe – 30, 40% of the questions they get asked is about name, image, and likeness. Now, you know, I, I think that uh, there's a good bet that a guy like John Mechie will be Alabama's offensive representative. So you're going to get some Jamison Williams, some Henry Toa Toa, some things like that uh, for the players and for Nick Saban. And he's going to get a variety of questions, you know, some some good, some bad. That's just how it goes at SEC Media Days. But, yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be kind of reminiscent of back when satellite camps were a thing. And that just dominated all of the questions uh, up in Hoover. So um, I, feel, I have a feeling it's going to have that kind of flavor. But, I mean, it's to be expected. It's new. Um, there's been a, a lot to, to cover. Nothing just huge outside of, you know, Bryce Young signing with arguably the top agency in the country. Um, CAA, yeah, that's yeah. a monster. But there hasn't been just a big deal signed by one of these players or agreed to or a partnership or anything like that. It's a, it's a lot of little things. And I think, you know, for Nick Saban, I think they probably, you know, trained them pretty well. It's, it looks like they're doing a lot of stuff that to be expected things like, you know, your, uh, what is it? Yoke gaming where you can, you know, people can pay to play video games with you. A lot of guys, that's how they spend their free time in their, their dorm room or apartments playing video games. Guys are, you know, sharing stuff on Instagram and probably getting some, some merch, some, some gear out of it. That, that's to be expected. So nothing just completely off the wall yet, but I think it's only going to continue to to be something that's discussed and talked about over the course of the summer. And with SEC Media Days only a couple weeks away, yeah, I think it's going to be something that is going to be a hot topic up in Hoover. Yeah, name, image, and likeness, and probably some one-time transfer rule. Because you said it. Look at some of the additions just that Alabama has made to its roster and as an extension of that, the SEC falling in line with the one-time transfer rule, paving the way for Henry Toa Toa to join the Alabama Crimson Tide. But, uh, yeah, you can kind of see those 
coming a couple of weeks away. So what about it, Charlie? You're one of these guys or gals, a student athlete, and you've got this opportunity now to add sponsorship uh, to your resume. Which sort of area would be the one that you would covet the most? Would it be food? Would it be food and beverage? Would it be gaming? Uh, You know, certainly the bigger dollars, the better. But for the average guy or gal, what is the one area that you think you would want to fall in line with the most? Yeah, I mean, like when this was being discussed, I I thought about the like this time of year, especially when the Olympics are on, you think about some of the commercials that you see out there. And the big ones are things like Gatorade, heck, even like Coke and McDonald's, um, a bunch of the uh, apparel lines like Nike and stuff like that. That's probably a a little bit of a uh, touchy subject for some of these schools. I'm sure Alabama doesn't want some of their guys going out and landing you know, a deal with like Under Armour or something like that. But I, I thought, you know, if, if it were me, yes, I would love to be, you know, just raking in the dough, but, um, you, you gotta be careful in some of these situations because everybody's going to be wanting to do stuff and they could take advantage of you. So I think what I would want to do is, you know, find an apparel brand that was just, you know, Hey, post this on Instagram, you know, once a week or something like that. And we'll just send you a bunch of free stuff. Like that would be, one of the things that I would want Here. to take advantage yeah. of, whether it's, yeah, it could be, you know, clothes, it could be things like that. It could be, you know, you could do something like a, like a sports drink, like a Gatorade or a body armor or something like that. And they just send you a case, you know, every few weeks or so I would be more than happy <laughs> with that. I mean, as a student with all of the, you know, get on board days and things like that, you know, me and my friends used to go and just rack up all the free t-shirts and cups and all that. I mean, just, just think about the stuff you could get just because you're a well-known athlete. I think that's the route I would want to go. Uh, again, of course, I'd like to, to make some money, but I think you could maybe get in a little bit of trouble from that standpoint. So I think just getting as much free stuff or maybe an Instagram post or a tweet every now and then, and that that's a no brainer for me. Yeah. I would be looking to trade for like probably food, and beverage you know if i played at texas i'd probably want to do a trade with tito's vodka or something (laughs) but i'm guessing that steve sarkeesian and the texas athletic department may not want those type of partnerships um same with probably in tuscaloosa i'm I'm guessing uh people at ua don't want you just straight up doing stuff with more bar related places if if you could help that but I'm a food guy, so I would probably try to have five that I'm trading, which is trades. You know, it's what text, a tweet here, you know, social media representation, and then uh, free meals and drinks everywhere. And then I could also maybe have it at a level where I could take my teammates. That would probably be a pretty smart move. But um, yeah, that's probably where I would fall on all that. It's uh, something I don't have to worry about, though these days so what we're going to do charlie we're going to get into some more football talk we're going to talk about the potential for alabama offensively to have its first 3,000 yard rushing season since 2017 we are going to circle back to Jaden shackleford later in the pod we're going to give you our way too early starting fives for the alabama men's basketball team in the 2021 2022 season did you have anything else though that you wanted to maybe cap the nil scenarios with no i mean i've i've thought about this and you know my wife and i talked about it just in 
you know, me keeping up with all these things on Instagram. I've had a tough time of maybe picking like a, a place in Tuscaloosa to like that would be the sponsor for you. It sounds like you're you're maybe more on track for that. So I was just wondering if you can only choose one place in Tuscaloosa. Mm, uh, see, I knew you were gonna do this, Charlie. <laughs> I knew you were gonna go sixty minutes on me, you know, and put my feet to the fire. Um I've got my favorites and I guess if I'm gonna incorporate everything into meals well see i gotta say peter brook man if i don't say peter brook i'm getting divorced you know if i don't say i'm gonna partner with the wife on the chocolate i'm in trouble immediately but if she's if she doesn't know you know what i'm kind of pairing up with um i i I tell you it, it would be a place with exceptional food and beverage and so gosh if i could do my lunch place See how I'm doing this? If I can do my lunch place, I'm probably doing Southern Ale House. So I can go get my yard bird chicken sandwich, and then I still have access to the everything else that goes with uh, SAH. But at dinner, I'm probably going Chuck's, man, because yeah. I've become kind of this sushi freak in the last three or four years, and I've got the two stents in my arteries now to show for it. But I like the I like the sushi. I like the other food just fine, but, man, I love the sushi. And so I'd probably go Chuck's for dinner. What if you had to pick or one or two? What you, you gotta you gotta pick or two? It's tough. Like I like I said, I've I've struggled with this just because I'm I'm picky. Um, not in terms of just what I eat, but like just deciding on things. Um, I will say that we went to Southern Ale House for the first time in a in a while, and that Yardbird sandwich is no joke. Um, so, and, and it's, you know, it's out of the way. We kind of forget about it. We're never really, you know, on our way to Northport. So, um, but it, that's a, that was a nice refresher. But for me, I, I don't know, like, um, I really, like, I guess lunch, even though we, we tend to wait until happy hour, like Avenue Pubs, happy hour burger is the, be. one of the yeah. perfect meals in Tuscaloosa because you don't leave feeling miserable, but you're able to eat a burger <laughs> and they got some, some nice beer selection. But then, you know, me, one of the things I could eat every day is, is tacos and I'm not just a huge, you know, liquor drinker or anything like that, but I like a, a good margarita every now and then. And, uh, the place the wife and I like to go to pretty often is taco mama. I know it's not necessarily a traditional Tuscaloosa place is a bit of a chain, but uh, I could get my money's worth for sure at a place like Taco Mama. If Chewy's was still in Tuscaloosa, uh, that would be the slam dunk. This. I, I know, like, right? This. Are you are you still <laughs> grieving? Yeah, yeah I, I, I think I have advanced to beyond anger and despair, but it's just solemn, just a very solemnness because I can't I can't get that creamy jalapeno sauce anymore. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah. that, that's that's the best restaurant chain sauce in America, in my opinion. I just, but uh, you know, those folks where they screwed up, they did the free happy hour food mm-hmm. from like four to seven in a college town. Charlie, you can't do that with college kids. They'll come in there and eat you out of business for free. You know, no, that I mean, nacho the, bar they had. Exactly. The, the, I think their biggest mistake is just putting the queso out there because, you know, we would go and be like, oh, the, the nacho <laughs> bar's still open, but there's there's just nothing. It looks like a wasteland. Like it's just been, uh, you know, picked over at least probably three or four times before we got there. But yeah, that still a touchy subject. Um, I do like Mexican food. I do like tacos. And, and that might be the only choice in America that didn't make it. Yeah. I, I can't imagine any others not making it, Charlie. Well, 
I, I don't know how often you go to the summit, but you try to go to Chewy's. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna have to waste the way at least forty five yeah, minutes. Yeah, unless you can get a spot at the bar. Right. Yeah. No, I just still I'm still dumbfounded by that situation. <laughs> All right, uh, something that uh, you know actual student athletes have an opportunity to do. We'll get into some of those coming up here. Charlie, let's talk about this Alabama offense in relation to its potential as a rushing offense in 2021. And I think that it's easy to sort of make the assumption that, well, with the turnover, uh, even with Najee Harris moving on, but you know, all the weapons on the outside that have moved on now, uh, first year starting quarterback an offensive line that looks like it's going to be built to get movement up front. Uh, you think about Alabama, running the football hasn't had a rushing season of 3000 yards or more since 2017. Now, 2018, they had 2,976 yards in 15 games. So they were close in their top three backs. Alabama's top three backs that year, all average 5.3 or more per carry. So where do we start with this? Uh, is it stylistically you think this offense might be geared more that way? Do you think it's out of necessity? Is it a pairing to go with this defense that Alabama's going to have? Uh, let's make a case for Alabama having that first 3,000-yard rushing season since 2017. I think it's kind of all of the above of what you just said because you know going back to the spring, even with losing, losing Najee Harris, and I guess this is before Keelan Robinson entered the transfer portal, but I still think they feel this way about their running back position is that it can be a strength this fall. Nick Saban said that, and he didn't really bat an eye. And uh, you, know, you have Brian Robinson, you have Chase McClellan. It sounds like Trey Sanders is coming along well in his recovery. Uh, Roy Dell Williams is a young guy that I think has a lot of potential. And then you add Kamar Wheaton, the former five-star, to the mix. So that's five really talented backs. And with what they have to replace at the receiver position, I still think that's a question mark for this team. Uh, I think the running backs and the tight ends are going to be used um, quite a bit. And probably earlier on in the season, I think, you know, some of the receivers will get more comfortable as it progresses, but I think they'll run, they'll, they'll lean on the running game. Now I, I do think, and you and I have talked about it before that Bryce Young is going to have to come out the gate playing well and slinging the ball well, but uh, he does have the luxury of a, a fifth year senior at the running back position and some talented guys behind him. So I, I think it's possible now, you know, I, I know that we'll probably talk about the case against it. Uh, you look at just the last 10 years, and Alabama's only eclipsed 3,000 yards three times, and that's, of course, and like you said, 2017, the season before, and, and 2016, and then uh, 2012, and that was the year that Eddie Lacy and, and T.J. Yeldon both went over 1,000 yards. And then they've come close uh, a couple times. Heck, the year that Derrick Henry won the Heisman, they were a yard short of, of 3,000. But it's tough. I think that's the, the example is that even with all the talented running backs Alabama's had over the, just the last 10 years, it's tough to accomplish. So um, I think, like you said, stylistically, and maybe just what they're going to have to do from a personnel standpoint, uh, maybe it leans in their favor. But it, it's going to be you know, difficult, I think, to, to reach that mark just looking at history alone. If you're making the assumption that, oh, this will be a 3,000-yard rushing offense in 2021, you're assuming, too, aren't you, that there's going to be at least one 1,000-yard rusher in this offense? And if that is – the way it plays out, are you convinced that it will be Brian Robinson that will be that 1,000-yard rusher? Can Brian Robinson give a performance, produce along the lines of, say, a Glenn Coffey 
back in 2008. Now, I don't think Alabama stylistically is going back to 2008. That was bully ball, and it was very effective. Pound going coffee behind Andre Smith and that offensive line. And then you had a freshman at wide receiver by the name of Julio Jones that you could throw it around to uh, when you wanted to or needed to. But is it is it Brian Robinson? Is, is it is it that easy of a choice for you or is it one of these other backs? Well, see, I don't think it'll be a situation like uh, 2012. We have a couple of, of thousand yard rushers, but you just look at 2016 and 2017. You know, Damian Harris had back to back 1,000 yard seasons, but in 2016 he had you know 1037, so he was 37 yards over. In 2017, he had exactly 1,000. I think one thing to keep in mind when you talk about those two seasons is you you have to add in Jalen Hurts to the mix because yes, you had Bo Scarborough and Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs, and then. Uh, 2017, that was Najee Harris' freshman year. But Jalen was running the ball a lot. In 2017, he had almost 900 yards rushing. Uh, he had over that the year before. So I think Bryce Young can run. That's something Tua Tonga Bailoa said at his Luau Tua um, at Brian Denny Stadium. Uh, just the last week, you know, he has the ability to run and make plays with his legs. Um, but he's not Jalen Hurts. So um, I think And that, do you want to expose him to that much with your quarterback situation, maybe the way it is? Exactly. You're not going to have just a bunch of design runs, I think, for Bryce Young. I think you want to utilize it to an extent. But, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to want to hand it off to those running backs. But I think with, you know, how we laid it out with, you know, five talented backs, and I think if Trey Sanders is healthy, you have at least Brian, you have Jason, you have Trey that can carry the load. I, I don't know that, that Brian Robinson is going to get over a thousand yards. Uh, he hasn't had over 500 in his career and he's played in damn near every game that he's suited up for Alabama. Um, and then you look at the rest of the guys, they don't have over 200 yards. Now, of course that's you, you take into account when they're used in games, but Brian Robinson has been the, the number two back the last two years and he hasn't even eclipsed 500 again. Last year, Najee Harris saw the line share of the carries and Brian Robinson's going to benefit from Najee not being here anymore. But those younger backs are going to start to eat some of those. So I, I don't think that Brian Robinson will have a 1,000-yard season. He does have the benefit of you know having a full schedule of 12 games and you know, three non-conference games where you know, he should be able to eat and those same guys behind him as well. But I don't know that Alabama would get a 1,000-yard uh, rusher. And if it is, I, I don't know if it'll be Brian Robinson. So when you talk about Bryce Young, like we did, and his impact on the run game, he took some sacks last year. That certainly impacted uh, his negative rushing total in the time that he did see the field in 2020. Uh, But for sure, when you look at Bryce Young in comparison to Mac Jones, Tua, uh, you know, you're talking about a guy that going back to Jalen, if he needs to. Uh, can make some things happen with his legs. Since Jalen, as you pointed out, rushed for 855 yards in 2017, the most rushing yards from a quarterback in a season, Tua in 2018 with 190 yards. And you got to factor number of games into all this too, because if Alabama plays 15 games again, 3,000 yards, even with my uh, checkered public school math past history, <laughs> That comes out to 200 yards per game, and I think this offense is capable of that too. No, it, it is. It's just I think that they're going to want to 
you'll get Bryce Young comfortable with the passing game. They're going to want to get these new receivers comfortable. And then you got to factor in guys like Jaleel Billingsley and, and Cameron Latou. I think they're going to be a big part of this offense. And the same goes for the running backs just in the passing game. Um, I do think that Bryce, though, we, we've seen him, I think, really late in the games last year. He stood in the pocket and tried to make things happen, which resulted in you know a few sacks. Um, you know, This year in the spring, he has a black jersey on so it's you know touch football with him if if he didn't have that jersey on i think he makes a ton of plays with his legs in the spring game just because the defense is you know getting his face quite a bit so he has that ability to extend plays and i think he can have um maybe a better rushing season than two had in 2018 and you gotta think about it i mean probably to his longest run of the season was like run against lsu when he had that bum knee and outran everybody for a touchdown so um i, I think Bryce's ability to be mobile helps, but I still think that with him and you know his development and comfortability, they're going to want to try to do things in the passing game. I, I think they can get 200 yards a game. I don't think they'll get 200 yards on the ground every game, though. And you consider opposing defenses in this uh, and looking at some of these units from a year ago, and you get back to, to you're not in the uh, – power five competition exclusively scenario that you were in in 2020 you look at alabama's rushing yardage from 2020 2385 yards in 13 games all against power five so you look at if that team that offense had had 15 games instead of 13 uh it's not all that far-fetched to think especially if you mix in some fcs action and some mid-major you know, group of five type competition, they could have gotten there maybe a year ago. But opposing defenses, teams like Arkansas, Ole Miss, really struggled against the run a year ago. Uh, Texas A&M, looking at this schedule, you expect A&M to be very good defensively. Aggies allowed just 92 rushing yards per game a year ago. Alabama rushed for 109 against A&M in Tuscaloosa last season. Now, you anticipate... LSU, Mississippi State, Florida uh, being solid against the run, but Alabama went for 265 in Baton Rouge last December, went for 208 against a scrappy, gritty, I guess you could say, Mississippi State defense. Florida gave up 170 last year on the ground per game. Auburn, you're looking at a defensive line that's turning over pretty heavily. And then again, you get into FCS Mercer, you get into New Mexico State and, you know, USM, those kind of games. I, you got to factor that too, I guess. Now, those are the ones that I circle immediately just because you're going to have big plays in those games from the offense. You're going to have a quick pass that goes to maybe Jamison Williams and he takes it to the house or someone like that. John Mechie can score, you know, in a long pass and the offense is off the field and that takes away opportunities for the running backs. But then, you know, Alabama's up you know, 35, seven at halftime or something like that. And then in the second half, you start to see some of these younger backs and Nick Saban likes to lean on them late in games when they have the big lead and just milk that clock. So um, I think those are the games that you can certainly make up some of this ground uh, just in terms of you know, them falling short uh, in the last couple of years, um, especially last year, like you said, with only playing power five competition, it was, it'd be unbelievable to see some of the stats for a guy like Najee Harris or even Devonte Smith against a um, you know an out of or a non-power five non-conference opponent or an FCS opponent so um, it's just I don't know like when you said 3,000 yards I was immediately skeptical just because you're know, looking at it, it it's tough to do 
Um, and they don't have a, a back that's just been that bell cow. There's just a lot of uncertainty, I think, at the position. But it is a strength because they have so many talented and potentially you know, significant contributors. It's just we haven't seen Jason McClone and Roy Dell Williams outside of garbage time last year. You know, we don't know what Trey Sanders' health is going to be, um, you know, in terms of what he's able to do this fall. And then Kamar Wheaton's just a completely unknown because he arrived, um, you know, this summer. You know, Brian Robinson, we've seen him. And again, I don't know if he's a guy that can get to a thousand yards. And with Bryce Young, you know, he's going to have to consistently make plays with his legs. I think it's, it's possible, but it's just looking at what's happened in the past whenever Alabama is playing against um, a full slate of games with those non-conference games on there, you know, they've only been able to do it three times. And that's with you know, players that have been Heisman Trophy winners, Heisman Trophy finalists. You have that mobile quarterback in Jalen Hurts. So there's, I think there's a lot against them, but I agree with you. And just looking at the simple math, 200 yards per game isn't that far-fetched, especially whenever you add in some of these games that are going to be playing this fall. So are you, are you sticking with the under here? Is that what I hear? And, and the trepidation when we talk about going over from you, Charlie, you, you, you thinking it's going to be under by a little bit? I do. And I, I think that's too, you know, what you talked about with like Glenn Coffey, the, the game has evolved. Alabama is not going to be three yards in a cloud of dust and just, you know, leaning on the running game exclusively. I do think that they're going to run the ball more. I think they're going to get the tight ends involved in the passing game because the receivers, um, you know, they're, they're going to be new. They're going to be fresh. So is the quarterback. But I think that's you know that's what the game has evolved into, and they're going to try to to push and to um, get as much as they can out of Bryce Young, get him comfortable in making plays. So I think that they're not going to force it, but I think they're going to want to see what they have out of Bryce Young and see what they can um, you know do from him early on. So I just think that they know what they have in the run game. You know, the offensive line I think will be fine when they get the. Um, the right five on the field, but they're going to want to try to get that passing game going as much as possible. And that takes away a bit from the running game, even though I think that can be a strength and something that they choose to utilize this fall. I'm going to go over by a tad. I don't think they're going to smash through 3000 yards like they did in 2017 when they ran for 3509. Um, but I do think, uh, I think they exceed 3000 by a little bit. And I'm going to go with Jace McClellan as my pick for the 1,000-yard rusher for Alabama. Maybe Brian Robinson uh, is that guy, but uh, I'm going to go out there a little bit with uh, maybe Jace. Although, you know, Jace in limited action last year averaged 10.7 per carry, so I don't know if uh, you can exactly call him a sleeper. But uh, so there you go. It's a lot of fun talking some Alabama run game. With Charlie Potter here on a Monday edition of the Bama Online Podcast. And when we come back, we're going to shift gears. We're going to get into some round ball with this news, continued talk about Jaden Shackelford hitting the transfer portal. We'll do that with Charlie when the Bama Online Podcast returns right after this. Back with more of the Bama Online podcast, Travis Ryer and Charlie Potter with you. Hope you had a safe and joyous, enjoyable 4th of July. We're right back at it here on a Monday. And Charlie, you updated us on Monday afternoon that, in fact, Jaden Shackelford had entered, has entered the NCAA transfer portal. Word of this really started to pick up, I guess, light last week. 
Jeff Goodman of Stadium.com, I believe, first to at least put out there that that was the intention of Jaden Shackelford to enter the transfer portal. But, uh, you know, still something very newsworthy on this Monday to consider given his contributions to this team the last two seasons. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, the, the eve of uh, name, image, and likeness whenever everybody was gearing up for that and expecting kind of a, an onslaught of news the next morning um, that you know, there was a lot of Alabama basketball news the last day of June, and that was with you know, Josh Primo uh, electing to stay in the draft, which that was kind of the we, – we, we talked about that. That was the way that was trending. But, uh, you know, Jaden Shackelford choosing to enter the transfer portal, at least that was the – the word last week that he was going to do that it was a bit of a surprise. Um, you know, there had been a little bit of a rumbling about that, but you just always, when you hear a leading scorer choose to do that, are a little skeptical. And then you see the report, and then today he officially entered the portal. Um, yeah, that means Alabama is going to be, you know, with a brand new starting lineup this fall because you have Primo and Herb Jones and John Petty. Um, they're all guys that are going to be potentially drafted, you know, later this month. And then Jordan Bruner, uh, exhausted his eligibility. And those are your, uh, those are your five starters for the most part, most of last season. And they're all gone now. And, um, you know, it, it opens up some opportunities for other guys, which is what we're going to talk about. But, you know, Shackelford, you know, he's a guy that I think took on more of a leadership role in his sophomore season. Again, he's someone that led Alabama and, in points per game with a little over 14 he started 32 of 33 games this past season and the only one he didn't start was senior night which he gave away to to guys that were going to be playing in their final game and um he's just a guy that touched the ball quite a bit and um uh, I, I think alabama um they can make up for it but seeing how much they're losing this offseason uh, just from an experience and even a leadership standpoint they're gonna have to have some guys to step up for sure yeah, you always, in situations like this, feel like you need to uh, implement the caveat of he could come back. He could return to Alabama. But given this time frame, Charlie, I would think that doesn't seem likely for Jaden Shackelford. No, the timing, yeah, that, that's exactly what I think. Just because you know he enters the draft, he gets the feedback. Um, you know, He could have entered the transfer portal after the season, but he does it now whenever the – the deadline for guys to make a decision is, you know, this week, I believe. I think the NCAA's uh, deadline is the 7th, and, you know, NBA rules call for a later withdrawal uh, deadline, but the NCAA uh, has its own, has its own uh, set of rules um, that say, you know, this deadline uh, is 10 days after the combine. So uh, the timing of it does suggest that he won't be coming back, but you're right. I mean, I always – when I post these stories about players in the transfer portal, I always make sure to mention, like, it's also worth noting they can withdraw their name from the portal at any time and, and choose to return. Um, but that isn't really something we see happen very often. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think with Shackelford, um, you know, maybe he's looking uh, or he sees the writing on the wall and, and knows that Alabama has some guys that are going to be, you know, nipping at his heels for playing time because you know, Jaden Shackelford saw a lot of that you know, this past season. And so um, I, I think it's just a situation where he's ready for maybe a fresh start, maybe looking to go closer to home, you know, him being a, a guy from California. And um, yeah, I, I think that with him, choosing to enter the portal but also keep his name in the draft um 
I think that was the most surprising thing too, is just because if you're going to enter the portal, then just take your name out of the draft because he's a guy that he's smaller guard. We know that from NBA teams, they like those longer combo guards and things like that. So I think he's got the feedback he needs. I think he'll withdraw from the draft and now he'll be looking to move on to another school. So with that likely scenario, let's do our way too early starting fives for the Alabama men's basketball team for the 2021-2022 season. I guess Javon Quinterly, we're both going to have there on the basketball, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, Quinterly's the guy he came off the bench last season, but that was more, you know, he provided a spark and he accepted that role. But as the season progressed, I mean, he just played better and better. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that I think with a strong season could be the latest Alabama player to hear their name called in the NBA draft. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a no-brainer point guard that, that Quinterly would be there for me. Maybe a dual point guard situation with J.D. Davison. Not all that difficult to envision that, I would think. No, I mean, that's something that, that Nate Oates has, has talked about before. Um, you know, the, just the fact that both of them can play together. You know, Quinterly, I believe, is a little bit of a, a shorter guard. I'm looking at the roster. Yeah, the Alabama list in the 6'1". And they list J.D. Davidson at 6'3", which that's the same size as, as Jaden Shackelford. And we saw you know, them coexist a lot this past season. So that's not you know, that far-fetched. And you know, just hearing from, from Nate Oates um, you know, over the summer, whether he's talked in radio interviews or you know, done stuff with the Crimson Tide Sports Network, whatever, um, you know, he said J.D. has been as good or better than advertised. And we're talking about a, a top-10 player in the country, a five-star, a guy that – Anytime you see a video of him on social media, it's just it blows your mind the explosive ability that he has. Um, yeah, I think that to hear that he's coming in and impressing them um, because he can do more than just you know a, a highlight dunk. You know, he can really pass, and that's something to have two guys that can you know handle the ball in the same offense could be a benefit for them. So yeah, I mean, when I I jotted down several different lineups just to see what looked best on paper. And it was always JQJD, just because I think both of them can really coexist in this offense and, and really thrive. So Keon Ellis, is he next up or could it be Namari Burnett? Which way do you go with that uh, that third spot? See, I think with this is where Alabama has options because we've seen Nato's in the past. You know, he's a guy that you know chooses to play a small lineup uh, quite a bit. And if they wanted to, I think they could play Quinterly, Davison, uh, Burnett and Ellis all at the same time. And, um, you know, I, I think the, the early returns for a guy like Namari Burnett or, is that you know, he's Keon's, Keon's a bigger guard than I think people realize too, Charlie. Right. And he's not yeah, six, he's, two, six, three, he's six, five, six, six. Right. Yeah. He's the, he's about the same size as Primo. And, um, mm. you know, he's a guy too, that, you know, a lot of teams play small. And with Burnett being a guy that seems to be coming on as a shooter, maybe you want that on the court. I did in my the first one that I wrote down, I wrote down Ellis at the three. And uh, I think you know he can play two through four and is a guy that is going to see his minutes really soar this season. But I think they have some position flexibility in what they want to do from a lineup standpoint that they could have you know all four of those guys who are technically listed as guards on the court at the same time. I went Keon Ellis at the three, and then at the four, I came with Jawan Gary. I went small ball, like you just talked about. Looking at the potential for starters, I don't know how you don't. Um, what about that four spot? Are you going to stick with Namari? 
uh, as a three and Keon as a stretch four, or do you have something a little different in mind? No, I had Ellis at the three, and then I, I wrote down Gary's name first at the four. And it is a smaller lineup because both Ellis and Gary are listed at six six, even though I think Gary's a, a little bit taller than that. But we saw him really start to thrive at the four when he played last season alongside guys like Jordan Bruner and Alex Reese. And I think that um, that veteran presence and him just you know being always around the ball and uh, being aggressive is, a, is something that this coaching staff likes. So I think they you know you could you could look to go pretty big and have maybe a guy like Noah Gurley at the four and play someone like Charles Bediaco or Alex Chiku at the five. But um, you, know, you don't know what you know Chiku has from a health standpoint. Bediaco will be a true freshman, even though I think they feel good about him. So I went with the, the program veteran and, and Juwan Gary at the four, just like you. So I guess we both went Noah Gurley at the five in this lineup. Great minds think alike, Travis. Damn, Charlie. <laughs> I was looking for some conflict here. Hey, I got the exact same starting fives, Charlie. It's not good pod. It's not good pod. <laughs> I will yeah. say, let's yeah. let's look at this. I'll I'll throw in a um, a, a different one that I had. So I had um, Javon Quinterly, uh, J.D. Davison, Namari Burnett, um, mm-hmm. Noah Gurley, and Charles Bediaco for one. And mm-hmm. just because I think with replacing so many new starters, you maybe want that spark off the bench like you had from Quinterly last season. So you bring and out Gary, Gary, yeah. that, that's where I'm, I'm hesitant to have Gary in my five is I love what he brought off the bench. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, both of those guys, Ellis and Gary are guys that later in the season, maybe when like a guy like John Petty was struggling or, you, know, you had some guys that were dealing with yeah. some injuries, then they came in and, and played well. And Nados was always, um, you know, praising them in his post-game Zoom calls just for what they bring to the table. So in that scenario, if you have JQ and, and JD in the starting lineup, you have Burnett there as a shooter, and you bring uh, – you go super big with Noah Gurley and, and maybe uh, Bediaco or Chiku, then you have those two guys also to provide that spark off the bench, which I, which I think is something that's going to be very important because of the guys that they're losing. So you know, playing devil's advocate here and just looking at the five or six I wrote down, that's one that is a little different. You could even put maybe uh, – I don't, I don't know if this would be the case, but you could put Burnett at the two and play Ellis at the three and bring J.D. Davidson off the bench. I don't know if that's something that's going to happen – um, you know, throughout the season, I think he's going to see as much of the court as possible as a potential lottery guy. But if they have, I think the, the crux of this is that, you know, even though they only have, you know, 12 available, uh, players and I guess 11 without James Rojas, there are options in which you could put a starting five together and all of them, you know, I think would be beneficial for Alabama. I definitely like Namari Burnett as a rotational guy. Um, and then Chiku and or Bediaco. To give you that size, you can come with six eleven, seven foot with those two guys, respectively. I guess if I worry about something looking at our fives, it's efficiency from three point range because Alabama's going to shoot threes. That's what Alabama does. That's what Nate Oates wants them to do. Uh, JQ though, forty three percent shooter last year. Keon, I think better than most folks and realize, thirty nine percent. But volume shooters. You know, Shaq was a volume guy. John Petty, volume guy. Herb Jones took more threes last year. So, you know, we have a smaller sample size to work with these guys as well in terms of can they do it 
uh, efficiently with with more shots uh, in 2021, 2022. I think that's why, like, I, I try to mention Burnett as much as much mm-hmm. as possible because you know Nate Oates was extremely complimentary of him coming in. I think he said, you know, they. You know, with them doing shooting drills this summer, he was breaking records left and right. And that's, you know, having come off of years with, with John Petty in the program. So a guy like Burnett will certainly help with that. You know, Jason Holt, even though I think he needs to add some weight is someone that they've uh, really hyped up as a shooter. And, uh, you know, Noah Gurley is someone coming from um, Furman that he's the guy that he has some three point ability as well. And, you know, if he's healthy, Alex Shiku has shown some ability to shoot uh, from the perimeter. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be maybe a staple of his game. We haven't really seen anything from him because of his injury, um, but maybe he's a guy that offers that. Now, again, it doesn't come in the form of a volume shooter like you were talking. That's why I think uh, Namari Burnett is going to be an important piece of the puzzle this season. And then that, that lineup I threw out there with, with him in uh, place of Keon Ellis and bringing Ellis off the bench for that spark, you have your shooting on the floor. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to be maybe my biggest question with all of these guys leaving is, you know, what do you do from that standpoint? But they got, they got guys that can, and I think they'll try to figure that out over the course of the season. Well, Charlie, that's going to do it for a Monday edition of the Bama Online Podcast. Always appreciate you taking the time, my friend. No problem, man. It's good to catch up and good to talk about some hypothetical NIL uh, deals for us because I don't think those are going to be coming down the pipe. No, no. But, hey, look, get at you, boys. If you (laughs) want to throw us something, you want to throw us some steaks, a little sushi, you know the move. Get in them DMs. We're down. (laughs) We're absolutely down. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, Charlie. All right, man. No problem. For Charlie Potter, Travis Schreier, thanking you for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the Bama Online Podcast? Simple as a click or two. Leave us a rating and a review while you're there. We would greatly appreciate that as well. And, of course, you can always catch us right there at BamaOnline.com. Come hang out with us on the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the world. Right there at BOL. Until next time, so long, everybody.